You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Today I'm speaking on what I've titled Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8. The true meaning. The true meaning. The book of Hebrews is, is one of the most powerful books in the Bible. Very, very powerful books in the Bible. And it confuses a lot of Christians. And this particular scripture is one of the scriptures that are very problematic. And if you really don't have understanding to it, it can affect you in so many ways. So, the first thing we'd have to do is, number one, we look at the intent of the book of Hebrews. Now, if you say you understand something, you may understand it in your own understanding. It doesn't mean you understand it. Your understanding should conform or align with the understanding of the author or the originator of the idea. Is that right? So you can say I understand when you actually don't understand. And that's why some people write exams and everybody they are asking more paper, more paper, more paper, more paper. And then when the results come, F. And they, ah, but I understood. You didn't understand. You didn't understand. Your understanding did not align with the lecturer's understanding. Also, you cannot study the word of God when your understanding does not align with God. It can be your own cultural understanding. For, for most of the things that we say we understand, we understand them in our culture. How we have been raised up. How we have been taught from kids. When we are coming, my daughter asked me a very simple question said, Daddy, when we pay offering in church, how does God get it? You know, and then, and then my son said that, uh, said that uh, when we're kids at Sunday school, we're told the same thing, that God comes to collect the offering. And so if a child grows with this mindset, and they come to church and you are giving offering they get confused and, and they, they so what are they going to use their money for they forget about everything that goes on around them and live within the confines of what they have been told and taught right from childhood so if you come to church and you are not ready to shift your mind to understand God's way, you may lose out on so many things in the word of God. Praise God. So let's look at the intent of the book of Hebrews. Number one, the audience of the book, the audience of the book are Jewish Christian converts. Jewish Christian converts. So they are practicing 
Judaist, practicing Judaist. They know Yahweh. And Yahweh judges by works, by law. And their righteousness is not of faith. Their righteousness comes by works. That's what they know. The main context, Christianity cancels Judaism. The main context of the Hebrew book is that Christianity cancels what? Judaism. Christianity cancels Judaism. And then what's the main context? Uh, main content. The main content, content is the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ and his once for all sacrifice. The supremacy of Christ and his once for all what? Oh, once for all. Once for all. Okay. So, now, with that understanding, let's look at the text we are talking about. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. In other words, they have experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, the breaking in of the power of the Holy Ghost. If they fall away to be brought back to repentance, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Continue. Land that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. So if a land is fertile and it yields, it's the blessing of God. In other words, when you hear the word of, in this context, and you hear the word of God or something, and you obey, and you yield fruit, it is the blessing. Is that not it? Okay, good. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be what? Now, you read this scripture and straight away, um, if you are not careful, your Christianity is stopped or is in jeopardy. Because you begin to ask legitimate questions. Is that right? Questions like, since I became born again, Have I not fallen away before? Who has not? Hello? Hey, 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 lift up your hand. Let me see you now. So everybody. Ah, so I didn't get one. So now I can preach the message. So, is it, so everybody, every one of us have fallen away before. So now, if you are told that if you are falling away before, you can be brought back to repentance. What is next left for you to do? If so, 
How many times have you incurred God's wrath? Not to forgive you anymore. And that's why most of us are sitting in church. And in our minds, God is angry with us. But we are coming to church anyway. Oh, hello. Is that not true? We are trying. We are trying hard. We are trying hard. Next slide. It is because scriptures like these that most of, makes most of us not sure we are still saved. Or that we will go to heaven. So there are people, if I ask them, Christians, if I, are you going to go to heaven? They pause. Because if you read a scripture like this and you, you have the understanding that you cannot be brought back to repentance. So what are you doing? What are you doing? In the first place, what are you doing? So most Christians have therefore given up their faith. They are just church attendees. No intimate relationship with Christ. No intimate relationship. So we just come to church. Tradition. So, let me give an explanation of the context so you can understand the context of that verse, that scripture. Now, like I said, the audience of the Hebrews book were Jewish converts. Hello? They were what? So, they grew up as Jews, is that right? All their lives. All they know is obeying the Jewish word laws. You are required to do various animal sacrifices when you sin. Is that right? Okay. The sacrifices will remind you of how many times you have sinned. When you take one goat tomorrow because of a sin, you mark it. And it reminds you of the sin. Is that right? Okay. You receive temporary forgiveness and you are left with guilt. So the forgiveness it's not once and for all. It's temporary. Because when you sin again, you have to bring another goat. Hello? So you have to bring another goat. So you have to bring another sheep. Or you have to bring another pigeon. It depends on what kind of sin. <laughs> and the guilt lives with you. You have appeased the wrath of God by your sacrifice for the for the world, for the moment. So I'm sure that in their boot, somewhere in their cars, if they had cars, you make sure that each and every time some pigeon or some goat is around you. And that is why they were making a lot of business in the church. Because man, by all means, one way or the other, will sin. So definitely they have to go. The moment. Otherwise, what it means is that the curse of God comes upon. Hence, you know by that, you, have, you will not receive punishment for that sin. So the moment you know you've given your sacrifice, for the moment, you don't receive punishment. This has been the routine of your life. So these are the kinds of people, the author of Hebrew, who I believe is Apostle Paul, was addressing. 
This is their religious lifestyle. This is how they live free from guilt to please God. They have to be given sacrifices whether on a daily, monthly, whatever basis depending on how much they sin and how much they want to be free from the wrath of God. Are you getting it? Then all of a sudden, a man named Jesus had come in and offered a once-for-all sacrifice for sins that was supposed to forgive all your sins for all time and never the need for offering sacrifices for sin anymore. Hello? Oh, are you here with me? So now, the apostles, the disciples come to these people these Jews, and then they start telling them that, listen, all these sacrifices you've been given is over. Jesus, the son of God, has died for you. His death is once and for all. It cancels Judaism. Cancels every sacrifice for sin. He has forgiven you once and for you don't need any other sacrifice. This time, the wrath of God is not upon you anymore. And you are forgiven, not temporarily, you are forgiven permanently. Hello? Tell me. They are going to have some struggle. There's going to be a challenge, is that right? Just like most of us are being challenged. Right now in our minds. Our conscience is the first. Hello? Our conscience is the best. Is, is that not true? That's the first thing. If you are used to seat belts, seat belts, and every time you sit in your car, you put on the seat belt. And there's this day you're not driving. You just went to sit into the car to pick something or to relax. The moment the alarm for the seat belt begins to beep, it plucks your conscience. It makes you feel like you are wrong. Why? Because you are used to that. And so, whatever you are used to by culture, by tradition, breaks your conscience, whether right or wrong. So, in this case, they were having problems with their conscience. How come? How can one man just say, this is what I've been doing for life, to appease God's wrath. And you say that, how? Next. So the Jewish rabbis, Sadducees, and Pharisees are going to be on these people. Is that right? What are you talking about? So they will persecute them like some of us are being persecuted. And they tell you that how can Jesus have taken your sin once and for all? And you said your righteousness is, is, is not by works. It's, it's of God. Where is that coming from? Because all you have known all these years is that your righteousness should be by your way. The Jewish community is going to come after them. Is that right? Is that right? Next. Friends. Family. Everybody. He's going to come after them and say, what? They will be rejected. Called names. Threw into prison. Persecuted. Because of their faith. And they said things like, if you don't offer your sacrifice to God, you will not be forgiven. And can you withstand God's punishment? And that's what they'll be telling you. 
So for them in their minds as Jews, you who have become a Jewish Christian, the wrath of God is still on you. And they are waiting for something to happen to you. Are you getting the point? That was the situation they were in. And that is what Apostle Paul was talking about. Because of their challenge with regards to the Jewish religion, now they have become Christians. And everything is turned around. Jesus stands in the gap. No more sacrifice. They are struggling. And they cannot enter the rest of God. And therefore, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, chapter 3, Moses, um, uh, uh, the apostle Paul, who is the writer of Hebrew, had to set certain precedents right. To be able to convince them because they were Jews. Is that right? And they were brought from Egypt. And so he went back into time to speak to the fact that, listen, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? So you remember that they were led out of Egypt. Is that right? And then they got to a point and God said he was going to give them a land they had not worked for. They don't need to work. There were giants in the land. God said he is leading them to the land. They will take over. And they will be able to enter his rest. So God actually named the land a land of milk and honey. But listen, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? Those who what? Okay. Whose bodies perished in the wilderness. So they sent 10 spies and 12 spies. Only two believed. 10 said, no, we don't believe it. Is that right? Is that right? Okay, continue. And to whom did God swear? That they would never enter his rest. If not to those who disobeyed. So those who sinned. Those who disobeyed. What kind of sin? What kind of disobedience? So we see that they were not able to enter. Because of their word. So the sin. That did not make them enter the promised land. Was the sin of unbelief. That they did not believe they could end a land that came by grace. That they had not worked for. He said you will go to the land and what you have not planted you will reap. But the people could not believe it. And those who did not believe it, they perished. And they did not enter his rest. Hello? What does Egypt mean? Bondage under the control of what? What did Jesus come to do? He came to break the bondage of the power of what? So listen to me. If you are a Christian, sin has no dominion over you. Sin has no power over you. The effect and the power and the penalty of sin has been broken over your life. Are you understanding my point? What sin does to people, sin can do that to you. The power of sin has been broken over your life. through the Red Sea. Baptism into Christ's death. So when they passed through the Red Sea, they were baptized. And that is what it means for us in today's Christianity. Continue. 
Canaan is the promised land. It is where you enter into God's rest. When we receive Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, we enter into God's rest. Hallelujah. You have entered into his rest. I said you have entered into his rest. I said you have entered into his rest. Give me the next verse. Now why did some of the Israelites not enter into God's rest? Canaan. A land full of blessings they did not earn. Continue with me. Unbelief. Unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Likewise, the Jews in the time of Jesus were seeing the persecution that awaited them for their faith and they were afraid of entering into God's rest. Just like the Hebrews. The Jewish Christians were afraid of their faith. And today, Christians, because of your African traditional religion, because of the teachings we have heard for several years, we still cannot enter into his rest. You would understand. So what does the promised land represent to us? Watch this. Hebrews chapter 4. For if Joshua had given them rest, Joshua was the one who took the Israelites into the land. Is that right? Moses himself could not take them. And you know why Moses? Because Moses himself did not enter. He didn't enter God's rest. Why? Because Moses struck the rock twice. Which was depicting that Christ was coming to die twice. Because Christ was the rock. Are you getting the point? And how did Moses? Moses did that out of anger. Out of desperation. And God made a statement. That even the one who is leading them into my rest doesn't understand the typology of Christ that when Christ comes he's going to die once and for all he's not going to die twice he's not going to be spitting and struck twice you struck the rock twice you missed it for if Joshua had taken them giving them rest God would not have spoken latter about another word so listen the rest was just a typification. It was not the original. So you see, Canaan for the Israelite, for the Jew, was just a showcase, a shadow of the original that is to come. And that is the original that we have today. Oh, come on. So you see, all he was trying to do was to convince them to understand what they have received as Jewish Christians. So they can throw away the shadow and hold on to the substance. Are you here with me? Watch this. He said, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Is he talking about Sunday or Saturday Sabbath? It's arguable depending on where you're coming from. For anyone who enters God's rest, also rests so he's not talking about Sunday Sabbath or Saturday Sabbath. He's talking about when you enter in, into God's rest. That is when Christ dies for you and you have accepted him. You cease from your own works. Now your works don't matter anymore. You can't add to that righteousness. It is in righteousness or no other. You don't have anything to add to what he has done. Don't confuse yourself. 
Are you here with me? For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from there just as God did rest from Do you know what happened in the Genesis? On the Sabbath day, what did God do? He, and he said, when you enter into Christ, you cease from your own works. You don't justify yourself by your works. You are justified by his works. Just as God on the seventh day ceased to work, you also ceased to work. Is it, is it talking about your career? No. 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 Let us therefore, watch this, watch this. This is the work you have to do. He said, Hebrews, guys, this is the work. What's the work? Make every effort to enter that rest. That is the work you must work. That nobody is going to take your conscience away from what you have received. That you have entered into his rest and confuse you. Don't let anybody. So that no one will what? Perish by following their... What is the example of disobedience? Clap for yourselves. Don't believe. Because they did not believe, they perished. And they did not enter into his. He said, don't follow their example of what? Disobedience. Was it murder they murdered? Was it greed? Was it lies? What was the example? Unbelief. Unbelief. The promised land represents the rest of God. What do you mean by rest? Now, if we can understand this, we must understand the word dead works. Everybody say dead works. If you read through the book of Hebrew, you see a lot of this word, dead works, dead works, dead works. And the moment you see dead works, what will come into your mind is moral sin. Lies. Uh, murder. Uh, taking some bribe. That is what is going to... Dead works. Works of the flesh. Dead works. That is what comes to your mind. But look at what he's saying. Dead works. In the book of Hebrew, is not talking about those things. Some translations such as the NIV include footnotes. He says, useless word. Useless word. Useless word. So you see, when you see dead works in, in, in Hebrews, it's not talking about morals. It's talking about rituals that the Jews were doing repeatedly to make their sins forgiven. Dead works. I'll show you. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, which can never take sins away. It only covers sin. It is dead work. Continue. But when this priest had offered all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his full stoop. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made. Come on. Come on. 
Come on. Come on. Now, the preceding verse before the text, Hebrews chapter 4, 6 to 8, look at what he says. The preceding verse. So you can understand the context of Hebrews chapter 4. When he says that, it is impossible for you to have repentance when you are falling away. You will see the context in which he's talking about. Watch this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to what? Let us go on to what? Let us go on to what? The perfectness that Christ has made you. Understanding the preliminaries of the doctrines of Christ, let us move away from that and let us now dwell on the once for all sacrifice that Christ has made to make you perfect. You, you get it, don't worry. Not laying again the foundation of what? Repentance from what? You see, useless word. And of faith toward God. Watch, watch what the message Bible says. Look at what the message Bible says. Let's all read it, go. So, come on. Let's leave the preschool. Finger painting exercises on Christ. And get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundations of truth are in place. Turning back on salvation by self-help. And turning in trust toward God. Turning back on salvation that comes by self-help. Works. Works. Human efforts. Salvation that comes by useless rituals. Turn your back to it. Hello? Turn your back and then turn in towards the righteousness that comes by faith. In other words, in trust towards who? Turn your back on the salvation by self-help. You are trying hard. When I finish this, am I on time? Five minutes. Wow. Hebrews 10, 12, uh, 1 to 2. He says, the law is only what? <laughs> Do you know what a shadow is? Sometimes your shadow, you yourself, when you see your shadow, you ask yourself, is that me? When we say somebody is a shadow boxer, you understand what it means. They point the air. That's what a shadow stands for. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are what? So the salvation of self-help and useless sacrifice is a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the realities themselves. For this same reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. It can't. It can't. I said it can't. It can't. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered. For the worshippers would have been cleansed once if the thing cleanses, why would you always repeatedly go and do it? And some of us repeated. 
Oh, Charlie. Where there is no knowledge, my people perish. Listen. And look at this. He said, and would no longer have felt guilty for their word. What it means? Go to the next verse. Go to this. The Holy Spirit was showing by this way, by this, that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. How much more then? This is called antecedent. How much more then? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God. What does the blood do? Cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. If you are here and you feel guilty, then you don't understand the power of the blood. Because the blood cleanses your conscience. The blood frees you from guilt. The blood makes you the man that is free from any works of the law. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. The devil is a liar. Whatever weight the devil placed on you, I decree that that weight is gone because the blood cleanses your conscience. You can't live with guilt. You can't live in condemnation because the blood does so for you. Notice the antecedent. The gifts and sacrifices are not able to cleanse our conscience of the debt to God. So you have to keep offering them. But this one, it does such a good job Making us right with God. That it even clears our consciences of the need of continuing to perform rituals. Dead works, therefore, represents the old covenant. Rituals by law. Hello. Hello. Give me, give me. Now, why do we need to repent from the rituals, the dead works? I'm giving you an illustration. Watch this. Watch this. I was traveling. When I was traveling, I'll miss my wife. So I picked her picture. So that when I go, I'll be looking at it. Look at it. Smile. Are you there? Yeah. I'm enjoying. So I traveled. Then I came back home. My wife is there. She's sitting right in front of me. And then I take the picture. And I still enjoy the picture. When my wife <laughs> you see, you are laughing. You see, that's exactly what Apostle Paul was talking about in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8. 
that what Christ has come to do, the original, has come to do a better job. You say you are still holding on to the picture, the shadow, and you enjoy the shadow. It is an insult to the spirit of grace. And he says, when you move out of that to come back to repentance, I'll, 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 I'll get it. it. It didn't even say that you cannot come back to repentance. But what it means is that if you are born again and the presence of Christ is so strong, you have received him, you have received his power, you are enjoying grace, and you go back to self-help. He said, that is error. That is a big thing. So he was telling the Jews, Christ has come. He has died for you. You still want to kill a goat so that your sins will be forgiven. It is an insult. That was what he was talking about. Watch this. Christ is become of no effect to you. Whoever of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. That is what Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 8 is talking about. Because Christ has become the end of the law. When you continue to try to help yourself in your salvation, it is an insult to every work that Christ has come to do. Please. Philippians 3. Christ has become, no. And be found in him, not having my own word, which is from there, but that which is true in the righteousness which is by word. Apostle Paul said, forget about the dead works. I believe in the righteousness that comes by faith. Not the one by law. The word impossible to repent is a translation problem. The Bible is not an English book. Did you hear what I say? And that's why I say when you understand from the understanding of your culture, you have problems. You must understand for the, from the intent of the originator. The Bible was written in Hebrew with the Old Testament and in Greek with the New Testament. So if you want to get the true interpretation, understand what the Bible is saying in Hebrew when it's the Old Testament and in Greek when it's the New Testament. Are you here with me? Good. So when the guy says it is impossible to bring us to repentance of those dead works, he was not saying that he cannot. If the Jew stops the sacrifice, they cannot come back to it. No, that's not what he's saying. Check this. The translation error is this. The Greek says, as long as, and the NIV speaks to that, as long as they continue to do the sacrifices, to try to help themselves in their salvation process, there's no way they can come to repentance. 
and who have fallen away, as long as they continue to crucify the Son of God to their own detriment by exposing him to public ridicule. He came to die. So what they are doing by offering these sacrifices, they are making a public ridicule of Jesus. The one who died once and for all for us. Hello. Look at the message Bible. Let's all read it. Go. If then they turn their backs on it, they turn their backs on what? On the salvation that comes by faith through Christ Jesus. Washing their hands of the whole thing. Well, they can't start over as if nothing happened. That is impossible. Hello? So actually, he's not saying that it is impossible for them to repent. He's saying that if they stop the process and they start all over again like they were in the law, there's something that happens to them. It breaks their relationship. Are you getting the point? And it can't be as if nothing has happened because you can't mix the law and grace. The reason why we are what we are is because we mix the law and grace. You are either living by the law or live by grace. Simple. Simple. Hebrews 10 drills the point home. Let's already go. Period. Period. Where these are forgiven, there are no sacrifices for sin. It is unnecessary. Listen to me. Live in the freedom of your heart, knowing what Christ has done for you. Look at my version. Look at my version. Read my version. Go. It is impossible. For those who have heard and been invited into God's promised rest, if they ignore his gift to be brought back to repentance from their useless rituals, so long as they suppose that Jesus' death was ineffective or must be offered over and over like their other animal sacrifices, what, are they, what they are doing is both subjecting him to shame and doing themselves detriment. Words that come, when they say the land, okay, that shoots, that gives produce. Words that come from love, spared by faith, are useful to God and obtain a blessing. But the useless deeds and, sacrifice and rituals of the old covenant are worthless to God. In the end, they will be burned. This is the true meaning of that scripture. It has nothing at all to do with moral sin. Otherwise, none qualifies. And our Christianity is stopped. He was talking about sacrifices, works of the law. And most of us are not free because
us, we want to work it out. May the Lord bring you a release. I said, may the Lord bring you a release. You shall not walk in condemnation anymore. You shall not walk in guilt anymore. May you walk in the liberty that Christ has bought for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, listen. All these messages I'm preaching, I told the audio team, I'm not selling them. Take them for free. And listen to them over and over and over. Share it with your friends. Share it with your loved ones. Let them understand what God is saying. So that they can live in liberty for which Christ has bought them. When you live by grace, you don't understand the transformation power that comes by grace. When you try to work it out, you'll be frustrated. He works it on your behalf. He does it in you. Don't fret yourself. Allow him. Let him do the work. He who started the process is the same that continues the process. Is the same that ends the process. You have nothing to add. Whatever God does, no man can add to it. No man can take away from it. He does it so that men will fear him. Until God does it with you and you do it by yourself. Tell me who is going to fear God. You want to boast in your strength. But some boast in chariots. Others in horses. But we make our boast in the name of the living God. He is our strength. It is not our strength. It is his working in us. Working in us. Working in us. Working in us. As you live here free, it will show in your career. It will show in your health. Most of these diseases that come to us is because of the spirit of condemnation. When a man lives with guilt, sicknesses will take your body. They will eat you for free. But when you know he always loves you, because it's not your doing. It's all he's doing. Walk in his love. Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he lists all of them. Walk in the freedom. In the liberty for which he has bought you. In Jesus name. Glorious grace. Glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.